thanks for tuning in to the Undercuts interview with F1 handicapper Nick Hennian. We do a mid-season review and look at the betting lines moving forward. Please rate and review the show wherever you listen and enjoy. By being a racing driver, you are under risk all the time. By being a racing driver means you are racing with other people. And if you no longer go for a gap that exists, you're no longer a racing driver. So we are thrilled and excited to have Nick Hennian back on the show with us to do a little mid-season review. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. It's a thrill to be invited back. Welcome back. Good to have and you. Martin wasn't with us last time, so here's Martin. Hi, Nick. Nice to meet you. <laughs> yes, to you as well. So the last time we spoke, we were two races into the season. Uh, Charles was looking amazing. Max and Checo had both had DNFs in the first race, but Max had won the second one. So it was looking like it was those two. And Mercedes was having a lot of issues with porpoising at this time as well. Um, So, I mean, what surprised you from that point to now? I'm surprised at how bad Charles has been. And I think that's the obvious answer. And I think a lot of people are just going to point to the Ferrari strategy team instead of him. But at the end of the day, he's the one driving the car <laughs> and crashing out from the lead. What is it now? Three times? Not, I mean, not ideal for him. And it, even more surprising, look, I've given up on the ch- both championship races. I've basically started ripping up my Ferrari to win the Constructors uh, ticket. It's really surprising to me how close Mercedes and Ferrari are in the constructor standings now. And I think, I mean, look, Verstappen's going to be world champion this year. Red Bull are going to win the constructors. It's so interesting to me what's going to happen if Mercedes can, you know, basically finish the job essentially and be second in the constructors because I have zero confidence in Ferrari right now. There was a point in the season where I was betting at least one of them every week, and I don't think I bet on them in a month, probably. Mm. So I've been really surprised at how strongly they started the season, in addition to preseason testing, and how just quickly that's fallen off a cliff. Yeah, I know you didn't meet Martin when you were here last time. I feel that I should, we should have mentioned something before we started the show. But Martin is somewhat of a Ferrari fan. So if you could just sugarcoat it a little bit, that would be great. Thanks, man. It's tough. It's tough love, Nick. You're not wrong, unfortunately. You're not wrong. And I, I'm, I'm definitely a bit of a Ferrari apologist. Um, but uh, you, you, you're not lying. It's been bad. He, 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 I, I don't put quite as much. I'm you know I'm more in the Ferrari strategy camp than the it's all Charles' fault camp. Um, I mean he's a lot more on the edge I think in every race than than Verstappen is. He's driving the car a lot harder than uh, Verstappen has to to get as much out of it as he does. And he's a great driver, but um, yeah, he's crashed out and then made some mistakes even when he wasn't in the lead uh, to, to to crash the car. Yeah, but um, but Paul Ricard was all him. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah, 100%. But I wonder, in the revisionist history where Leclerc wins Monaco, I wonder what the if the season looks different moving forward. 
because maybe there's just that little grain of doubt that has started to creep in with him. And I just don't know if that's attributed to the fact that there are lingering effects from his home race that he felt like he was in a position to win, which, I mean, to his credit, he was. I mean, pole at Monaco is, you know, 90% of the job there, and he did it. So I, I was, I wonder what the season would look like if Leclerc had won at that race. I don't know what the points impact would have been on the season and 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 how that would have played in and uh well I'd say it's definitely a psychological question than a points question because what he he ended up fourth, fourth and Verstappen think, yeah. was third. So I think you know overall in the championship between those two minimal impacts but yes yeah, psychologically you know what what went down it was like the beginning of the yeah. the end or it was a continuation of that downward slide that they suddenly started to get on. Um and yeah, he he wants that so badly, you know, based on what happened, you know, last year, crashing in at the end of qualifying and not even starting the race. Um, yeah, I mean, who knows what's what's going on in, in inside their heads? But he, they're not saying they're Ferrari. Actually, they're not even saying the right things. I want to say that they're saying the right things. They're not saying anything. They're not saying anything that makes any sense. They're not taking any responsibility. They're not making any changes. And they've and Benotto said that they're not going to be changing anything over yeah. the summer break they're gonna they're gonna continue i mean they have with the, doing they have what the they fastest do. car there's I've, you know i'm looking for chinks of light all over the place and there's lots of people doing analysis of the first half of the year and you know uh, super lap times looking at the lap times of all the cars across all the laps and all that kind of stuff and ferrari's like top of the charts you know race after race but uh, i'd like nick like nick said uh, the drivers and the, the team can't can't get the ball across the line is there is yeah. there even anyone that's worth sprinkling some money on at this point and no maybe- no I'm, I'm just gonna cut i'm gonna cut you off before you even finish your question no <laughs> i will the 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 only market and I, i'm surprised we haven't gotten to the point where books are offering this because last i checked for Stappen is a minus 1200 favorite Ooh. to win the uh, the world championship um for for the non betters in the community, that means you need to lay one thousand two hundred dollars to win a hundred. Um, so they're pretty certain. <laughs> the only interesting thing to me is winner without Verstappen. Like, I mean, I off air I mentioned I'm a soccer better. Sometimes you'll see in like the English Premier League, it's like winner without Manchester City and Liverpool, winner without mm. the big six, and those market. The only it, books won't offer that market, but. I, I would be interested to see like winner without Max Verstappen because I, I think there would be opportunities to get involved in that. The Maybe there's a little bit of recency bias in this, but I've been really impressed with Lewis Hamilton in the last few weeks. Yeah. And again, I, I'm saying obvious things here, but it's like he seems to have figured out this car and Mercedes seems to have figured out team strategy. And I think that there is there are more season scripts than not over the rest of the post summer break where Mercedes are second in the constructors and Lewis is second in the, in the driver's championship. Yeah. And you know, Lewis earlier on in the season was finishing behind George. And I I put a lot that down, a lot of that down to the fact that the car was not what they wanted it to be. And George is better at driving a crappy car. And Lewis is, the one that would be like, well, I'm not going to win the title this year. So give me all the experiments, anything that I think we want to do a contra against just to develop the car better. And so maybe in the second half of the season, we'll be competing. 
and you know, you look at how many consecutive podiums has he got now? Three, four? I, I forget how many in the last run. And he's he's had a great run of form because he is as good a driver as we all know him to be. I think George has obviously impressed a lot of people, but. At the end of the day, from a betting perspective, there's not much to bet on for a Mercedes that's the third fastest car right now. Um, it's all about what's happening at the front. Continue the conversation on pine-sports.com. That's P-I-N-E-sports.com and the Pine Sports Discord, which you can find linked on the website. And join us in a one-of-a-kind fantasy Formula One contest at coopsf1.com. That's C-O-O-P-S-F number one dot com, where you can put your theories to the test. The people talking on Pine Sports, a lot of the guys are looking at like the top six plays and the top ten plays. Are there any guys going forward that you think there's there's a market for, you know, whether it be the McLarens or the Alpines or even the guys farther down that might have a better second half of the season, maybe the Aston Martins, um, the Haas. You know, I, I've given up on Aston Martin being a competent team. I've been really impressed with Alpine and they've made me a lot of money this year because they are just, you know, they're George Russell, but a team. They're just <laughs> team reliable and like, it may not be pretty, but we're going to get a P8 and a P10 and we're going to like it. Like, I mean, so I've been really impressed with them. Just So if you're looking to get involved with betting markets, I mean, th- and the problem is books keep reacting to this. And at a certain point, the, the buy-in price is going to become too high on them. But I've been just betting Alpine double points finish yes for five weeks in a row, and it's cashed every week, I think. So um, that's the thing. I mean... Top six, it looks like it's becoming more and more difficult to break through. And I haven't done enough digging into the upcoming races. I know we're going to Belgium next, but I haven't done enough digging into the races to see if there's a value play there because basically every all team drivers from Red Bull, Mercedes, and Ferrari are minus 200 to be in the top six. And you kind of have to just take a flyer. I can tell you one thing. Uh, I believe the maybe two, three weeks after or the third race of the post-summer is Monza. I will 100% be on Lando Norris there, and he's going to probably lose me more money this year because he's been a disappointing driver, in my opinion. Um, And I'm shocked that the... Be, I think he owes Daniel Ricciardo a a fruit basket at the end of this (laughs) year because, I mean, he has... There was so much hype going into this, and I think I'll attribute part of that to myself when I last came on with you guys about his preseason testing. And I just think because Ricardo has been so awful that there's been not enough attention being paid to the fact that Lando's been pretty disappointing too. So I think, and and I think you know, looking further down the board, I'm interested to see what happens with the Alpine McLaren race and the constructors. I think last I checked, McLaren has a four point advantage. I think it's and the you other know, way around, it, but yes. other way around, yeah. yeah. I mean, but it, you have each of those teams has a driver. I mean, presumably on the way out. It sounds like. I mean, Fernando Alonso is definitely leaving Alpine at the end of the year. It sounds like Ricardo's leaving uh, McLaren. So I'm just not sure. It's it's you know, it's been a disappointing year for McLaren. I feel like too. 
I mean, it's a it's a one to, it's a one man show with with McLaren at the moment. I mean, the fact that it's co- competitive between Alpine and McLaren is you, yeah. you say that Norris has been For disappointing possibly compared to last year. <laughs> <laughs> Lando's been disappointing compared to last year, but he's the one who's keeping them in the fight with Alpine. Yeah. You know, like you said, with Alpine just uh, being so consistent. Um, but I mean, going back to the top six break, I mean, the the, the difference between the top six drivers and everybody else, I think is another 70 point gap there. And with less points available for those drivers finishing lower down the grid, as they probably will fighting out for those spots, there's even less chance of say Lando catching Lewis than there is of uh, Leclerc catching Hamilton, um, Verstappen, I would say. So the top six is pretty much locked in. It's just a case of in what order. And then, yeah, who's going to be the best of the rest. But uh, you know, when the day is done, the, the McLaren, Alpine saga is, you know, obviously the the talk of the town at the moment. You know, Alpine putting a ton of money into Oscar Piastri, who's never driven an F1 car, I think, uh, or maybe he's done one FP1 testing, and then suddenly there's this massive scramble over him, and he gets to basically choose between the fourth and the fifth place teams right now, which is a bit of an odd place to be yeah, for someone it's, it's, who's it's, yeah. who, who's like totally unproven. What's your view on that one, Nick? I mean, it's worth a gamble, I think. I I, I don't think Alpine is going to necessarily go out and get a big name, per se. So, you know, what options do they have, really? I mean, it's, you know, I'm not the biggest Yuki Sonoda fan, so I don't think he's a fit there. Latifi sucks. Like, you basically have the retirement driver. I mean... I'll be so interested to see like the musical chairs at the end of the season of who ends up where. Um, I mean, I, I think Alpine knows Ocon's their best driver. I think that's true today. And I think it'll be true at the beginning of next season. So I don't think, I think the, uh, it, it, there's no bad outcome with Piastri. Like maybe he's really good and you have a great driver and all of a sudden you're challenging for third in the constructors. Uh, I mean, but the downside is like they're focused on Ocon. So I, if he's bad, then so be it. Yeah. I mean, because um, the, the plan was Latifi out, Piastri in at Williams with Ocon was never and Alonso. Plan. It was always going to be... Um, I'm blanking it. Nick DeVries from Mercedes. Nick DeVries is taking the George Russell path. They're modeling him to be uh, Russell's teammate if and when Hamilton eventually retires. Yeah, so, that's how that's how Williams is going to go. Now. I've read from what I've read. You know, Piastri's going to, um, excuse me, Alpine. The most interesting thing to me is it looks like nobody told Red Bull that Mick Schumacher's like a lock for Ferrari in two years because I think I saw that he's going to AlphaTauri to be Gasly's teammate. And it looks like they're trying to pull a fast Ooh. one over Ferrari, who apparently in F1 media, it was just widely understood that, you know, you know Michael Schumacher used to drive for Ferrari. And, you know, Mick Schumacher is going to drive for Ferrari, too. And it looks like they're trying to pull the heist of the century and get Mick Schumacher to be Verstappen's teammate in a couple of years. So I'm so interested to see if that comes true. Uh, DeVries, who is the reserve Mercedes driver, is going to Williams to be Albon's teammate. And it sounds like if the Magnuson, or excuse me, if the Schumacher move happens, that that Daniel Ricciardo is going to Haas to be 
Kevin Magnuson's teammate. And then McLaren's just kind of screwed, honestly. Like, they have nobody. So I'll be... I, Colton I feel Herta. like there's still news to break, but I, I just... I'm going to be so interested to see what happens with... Uh, so you see a situation year. where Piastri actually ends up at Alpine, driving for Alpine yeah. next year? Yeah, yeah. That, that I mean, if I were him, what have you seen from McLaren that want that would want you to go to that team? Well, he's kind of said that he's he wants to go to McLaren, right? That's the whole the whole tug of love thing right now is that he was, you know, there was a page on his contract that wasn't signed. And so that essentially meant that he had a free out to go to whoever he chose. And and that was going to be McLaren. He's playing the odds off of both teams. And I think he's working to try and get the best offer. I don't know if he's necessarily being truthful in saying out loud, which team he really wants to go to because he has all the cards right now. Yeah, and he's not he's not actually said where he is going to be driving next year. That's the whole thing that's going on right now. Alpine were trying to push him into a corner because of the legal wranglings that were going on behind the scenes, and they announced him as their driver, and he was like, mm-hmm. "No." <laughs> but it's I actually uh, don't think. Okay, so now I'm remembering. What's the McLaren IndyCar driver name? Hel- well, uh, Colton Herter. Colton Herta. Yeah. Or- Alex I think, I think he'll be at McLaren next year. And I think, uh, I think Piastri ends up at Alpine. Like, yeah, I'll stand by that. I mean, I think he's going to be somewhere. I, if it were me, I would go to Alpine, but that's too bad. Yeah. Oh, for me, if I, if I was Piastri, clearly Alpine have invested a ton of money. You're, you're the next guy in line, you know, everybody. And then, you know, Alonso jumped ship. I think that Alonso jumping ship was unexpected throughout the paddock i don't As think was anyone, retiring, it sounded like yeah yeah i mean i don't think anyone was expecting that to happen so everyone was moving around as if alonso was going to be there in the other alpine alongside ocon suddenly he wasn't there and piastri had kind of gone off and gone down this conversation with mclaren and then his seat suddenly opens up and he's already out the door it's a it's a not a great position to be in as a as a 20-year-old dude coming into F1, but there we are. Yeah. I mean, it seems to be happening all over motorsport. I mean, that's what was happening with Alex Pillow in, in IndyCar. Um, these young drivers that are really talented are seeming to be able to do what they want, although it's not happening the way Alex Pillow had hoped for in IndyCar. Can you can we bet on can we bet on whether Latifi will score a point this year? That, <laughs> and if yeah, we can, what we, like uh, across each individual race, like or just, just at any point in the season, or is there, yeah, is there a many, market? What, anyone will take your under, anyone will take your money, Martin. Yeah, over <laughs> under. I'll, yeah, over, I'll, I'll book the action for you. What do you want? <laughs> You'll give me. You're uh, like plus. Uh, you're giving plus a half. I like, mean, the for, last race. I, I mean, what was the previous race before the summer break? Was hungry. Uh, hungry. I. He was I in the top ten briefly because I almost was like, "That's not a real number." <laughs> Nicholas Latifi was eighteen to one to be in the top ten. The next worst driver on the odds board, I think, was. I think it was um, Vettel. Vettel was like. Four to one. 
I mean, right. there's no confidence in Latifi <laughs> whatsoever. I mean, it, it, I mean, it, was just, it was just a minor blip because Honestly, he finished in P3. He finished top, right? He finished top of the timesheets in the final practice. And so everyone was like, oh, it's, it's, it's a lock. He suddenly found his form. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, past- the thing, Martin. If you bet 100 on Latifi, how many races are left in the year? 10? Like, uh, there's uh, nine. Nine, nine left. Ten. Yeah. Okay, so let's just say nine for sake of argument. If you bet 100 every race at 18 to 1, he only <laughs> needs to hit it once for you to be profitable. Yeah. Like, Past performance it is no. It does not indicate you. Yes, trust me. As a as a sports betting analyst, that uh, statistical motto is in, engraved in my brain. That, that I, just, it reminds me of the sweet one sixty. No, I was gonna. You, you took it right out of my mouth. My, you, you, I, I, tell I'll the do story, the 30, the thirty second story is we were at the Canadian Grand Prix. I can't remember which year it was. Two thousand and seven. We can look it up. And basically, at this point. Uh, was it McLaren and, McLaren and Ferrari McLaren had won Ferrari every win. single race for like two years or something <laughs> like that. So I got, I gave Nick's girlfriend now wife odds of like 10 to 10 to one, like every race that Ferrari and McLaren win, you give me 10, 10 bucks. And the other way, every race that somebody else wins, I give you a hundred <laughs> and we'll see who comes out top at the end of the year. And that very race, <laughs> Um, Robert Kubica, Kubica won. <laughs> yeah. So I was down a hundred before it even started. I ended up owing her hundred and sixty bucks. <laughs> 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 so, th- so now I'm the reverse. Now I'm the back the other way. I'm like Latifi, like plus a yeah. plus a half a point for the rest of the season. We'll, we'll come you know. to a arrangement at the at the end of the show <laughs> off air because I'll be happy to book that action for you. I mean, there are nine races left. The better. The better bet with Latifi is set the number at five and a half. Does he get classified in more than and more wow. or less? I mean, he. Mm. I could I could send you a video clip of uh, a wet uh, Belgian <laughs> race from a few years ago where nobody could see anything, all piling into La Source oh, at the and same Latifi's time. He's going to be and, the one to expertly and, navigate that. And, You're and Latifi, not he's starting from the pit lane. He's. <laughs> Latifi's reading his books or something at the back. He's not even paying attention. He's just going to scoot through, and you know, it's, it's like eleven cars. Formula One, eleven cars wreck on the first corner. Exactly, and he's starting from need. the pit lane. <laughs> <laughs> Only six cars finishing in Monaco. Crazy things happen sometimes. You know, you got got to be in it I to mean, win it. Yeah, that's the thing. That's why it's priced that way. Eighteen to one. I mean, the implied probability on that is, you know. <laughs> about i don't know i'm bad at math doing it in my head it's under five I mean, percent or something yeah i mean 95 percent of the time you need those things to happen i mean yeah. you need 10 cars to crash i mean should he even be in formula one i mean no, as i said to you that's why he's not having a seat next year yeah he's not having he a seat next a... year i mean yeah. to, to be fair on him last year i mean this is his third season i think or maybe fourth but obviously he brings a lot of money but last year, he was having an, he had a decent season, but Abu Dhabi broke him. Yeah, it totally broke right because you mean by causing the whole safety and, car. And then he got and, an yeah. edible arrangement from Christian Horner, the one, the <laughs> same one that Lando's going to send to Danny Rick this season, and it's like you know what, this isn't so bad. I don't need to win the, I don't need to be in the points. I just need to help a top team get their driver world championship. You get some fruit. 
<laughs> Fruit basket. There you go. <laughs> So we are talking about Belgium. So what do you think about the race? Any any expectations? What We didn't have one last time, right? That was the one where it it's rained not. a bunch and George Russell got his first podium. Not racing. So I've devised this strategy. Uh, judge it how you will. But I've basically grouped all the F1 circuits together. <laughs> I went down a rabbit hole one Sunday and just decided I was going to compare tracks and see if there were angles to be found, and specifically for betting markets. But um, I'll start by saying this. Look at Bahrain, look at Saudi Arabia, and look at Baku as comp tracks. And those are, if you want to go back a season, which I like sometimes take into account, but Singapore and Austin are two other ones that I think show comparable features to Belgium. I, I'll i tell you guys, with the, with the start of the Premier League season and golf in the playoffs, I am enjoying this summer break, and I have not even looked at the odds. I mean, I just listed those all those tracks, and like three of them Verstappen won at, so I think Verstappen's winning. I mean, I don't know. That's... I... There is going to come a point this season where I'll bet on Lewis Hamilton to win a race. I mean, he can't go an entire season without winning. Like maybe I'm naive for thinking that, and that's the public gambling fallacy that a lot of people fall into. But I mean, could that be spa? Maybe. I mean, he's, I don't know if the summer break interrupts his momentum. I think if you, in the same way, if you gave Lawrence Stroll true serum and asked Lewis and gave Lewis Hamilton true serum and said, would you have preferred there wasn't a summer break? He would be like, uh, yes. So I could keep doing my thing. Yeah. Cause I think, but then again, Lewis Hamilton, I don't, I don't think, I mean, at this point he's the most mature. Well, obviously I think he Fernando wins. Here's is... my bold prediction. I'll make one Go on. completely unadvised prediction. I'll say he wins Abu Dhabi at the end of the season because Verstappen's going to have the world championship locked up by that point. There's going to be nothing. Red Bull's going to have the constructors locked up. They're going to be lack of motivation. And I think Lewis Hamilton wants to go back and be like, look, Michael Massey, you are not above me. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. The thing Nick just did, but it's not a video <laughs> medium, so, we, so the listeners can't see it. Yeah, that. Use your imagination, undercut crowd. Um, but... Yeah. No, because I'm, I'm looking at Lewis the Hamilton, he loves that track. And if you look at the comp tracks um, for Abu Dhabi, it's Silverstone, it's Miami, it's France, and it's Japan. And those are all I mean, Miami was a little questionable P- P6 there for Hamilton. But I mean, P2 at Silverstone, I think, or P3, one of those two, I think. I and again, I wish there were look ahead markets on this, but Lewis Hamilton to win at Abu Dhabi, I think, is because uh, because I look I'll be investing I, my and, money, and I'm I I'd like to see him win at Abu Dhabi. I think that there's a couple of circuits before that that he could win, one of which is Spa, the other is Suzuka, because they are flowing tracks and they don't really have a long straight. Yeah, I mean after you go, you know, you go through Orige and then it's up to La Source and then you have you know there's that straight up there. 
it's not a massive straight because I think you have a massive straight and you're playing into Red Bull's hands because they're just, they have the strongest engine right now. But then when you look at that sort of flowing nature of the track and hopefully, I mean, I think that Suzuka and Spa, not the bumpiest tracks out there. They're pretty smooth. I think those are, those are my two for potential for a Lewis win. Um, The thing I've learned about Mercedes this year is, and you alluded to this very effectively is Ferrari, excuse me, Red Bull is best on straight lines. So, I think they have a good chance at places like Monza, Imola, you know, Monaco, where it's just like, go fast. I mean, that that seems so obvious to say, but like the fastest cars win at those tracks. And, but then if you look at the places with, you know, like Red Bull Ring 2, I mean, that's their home race. So obviously it's designed for their car, but, um, but then you look at tracks like, you know, Bahrain and Saudi Arabia have a lot of corners. So that kind of gives Ferrari an advantage. And Mercedes is just kind of slightly behind them in each. Like they're not, they are just sort of mediocre in both. So they need a track that rewards mediocrity essentially. And I do think your point is taken that like Abu Dhabi is, you know, there's not this big long straight, but there are also aren't a lot of corners that Ferrari can take advantage of. So I think that's why so, uh, yeah. I would say Spa and uh, Nabu Dhabi are his best chances. Yeah. I mean, because you look at the other, other tracks that are coming up, I mean, you've got Singapore, uh, it's a street circuit, lots of 90 degree corners, Checo Perez in the Red Bull, unless Max is behind him and then it's Max. Right. And then what else have we got? Let's say we got Monza coming up. There's a lot of, you know, the thing about the early part of the season is there's a a lot of like new circuits in there. And then once you get into the meat of the the belly of the season and then towards the end, you actually have a lot more of the established circuits, which should, for me, a better racing. But um, it's going to be interesting. The thing is like Mercedes, Mercedes like make really, really good cars. I mean, just in real life. The, the ones that you and I can buy, they're never the very, very best in anything. Like Ferraris are faster. I mean, there's like a Honda is more reliable, which I guess is like the Red Bull, or whatever. But it's like a Mercedes is not the best car in any one category, but it's like second in everything, which makes it the best because it does it does something. And that's what that's what Mercedes have become this season. It's like the Mercedes of the road has become the Mercedes of the track instead of being like the totally dominant force that they've been for the last, I don't know, eight years, seven years. I have one one counterpoint to your, uh, there's nothing to play for at the end of the season, you know, with Max having it all wrapped up. I mean, depending on what happens, Max and Red Bull could turn their attention towards some of the single season records that might be up for grabs. Um, I mean, he has to win... A, I've made a note of it here. He has to win six six of the last nine races. I mean, five of the last nine to tie Vettel and Schumacher or six to pass them for the most number of wins in one season. Could be on the line come come Abu Dhabi. I mean, obviously, just, lost to, make, that. just to make Max even more popular. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> on this podcast anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, especially if it, it does wrap up sooner rather than later and things are all going their way, they could start looking at some of these, I don't know what other single season records might might be out there. Obviously, pole positions and stuff is, is probably gone with Charles taking so many of those early on. Um, but, uh, 
Yeah. But, but conversely, I mean, if you've got the season in the bag, why do you put any more effort in the season? You know, it, it, it's, you turn the, you turn full beans towards next season because you've got to know that I, I don't know what there's, there's probably no market for next season yet, but right. it's obviously there are going to be people like Mercedes and are, are not in it really this season. You, you. I mean, the pride will say that they are going to compete and compete and trying to get the win. They, they want a victory this season. They totally want a victory this season. But I don't think they're going to put that at the expense of next season. I think that they're fully committed to going. All right. Yes, we understand. We've got a car that we need to fully understand. So there will always be an investment in this car to try and understand it because that's the basis for next year. But all eyes, surely for everyone other than Ferrari and Red Bull right now are going to be focused on 2023. Yeah, I mean, good point, definitely. I'm not arguing with you. I'm, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's changing? What is changing in the car for next year, 2023? I don't, I don't think there's there's much that's changing at all. They're going to do some few little tweaks to try and get rid of some of the porpoising. But not not such a massive change that we had from like last year to this. He has to give up the corner. I had to bounce ahead. What is wrong with these people? So Nick, why don't you give our listeners again? You did it in the last episode, but where can we find your your articles for F one and also for soccer and golf? <laughs> Ease of access is on my Twitter. I'm at Nick Henian on the tweet machine. Uh, F1, you can find me on the Action Network website, www.theactionnetwork.com, the motorsports section. I'll give a quick shout out to our NASCAR guys who are killing the game too. So you can find myself, Formula One analysis, and our crack NASCAR team doing some great stuff there if you're if you're a fan of the US circuit as well. No, Nick, you're still out in Vegas. You're still uh, you're still looking forward to the Vegas race there next season. What's the <laughs> watching it on TV? What's uh, what's the latest going on in the in the build up there? I mean, it's gonna look like Red Bull Ring did this year. It's gonna look awful. It's gonna. I mean, it'll <laughs> look great, like under the lights, Las Vegas Strip. I still don't. I said it the last podcast. I still don't know where they're going to put the paddock. Like, where are they going to make pit stops? I'll tell you this as a Las Vegas resident of the track they mapped out. There is nowhere to put hmm. a pit stop. And I and I saw someone on Twitter. I think throw out the theory that they're going to like excavate the roof of the Bellagio Valet and put it there. I'm like. No, they're not. <laughs> like that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's like absolutely not. So I still, I, I mean, get hype about it all you want. It's, it's gonna be a mess, and the race is not gonna be close. And, and, and if you back bet, to if you back. let me bet on Max Verstappen today to win that race, I will definitely be taking that. But is it gonna be like back to back with like Abu Dhabi or somewhere like that, like back to back weeks? So that's it's insane. like no, it can't be twelve time zones the, across. That's the South, South America week. It'll be, I think, it'll be Austin to Mexico City to Vegas. Is my guess. Hmm. And like a triple header, maybe that'd be crazy. Yeah, like, we're not going to be a good race. To... I'm just telling you, if you're watching that race because you want to be entertained, don't save your two <laughs> hours. It's it's going to be. 
the gap between first and 10th is going to be two minutes probably. Mm. There's no risk. It is a pure entertainment play because Vegas people love to just blow their money. Like, that's it. That's the look only at, reason it's happening. Looking at the map, I never looked at the map before. I've been to Vegas many times. I have a good idea of where it's going. Obviously, they want to go straight up the strip. It looks very much to me, uh, Nick, like, uh, like the old Hockenheim. Remember the old Hockenheim? Yes. It was just a blast up, little wiggle of a chicane, round the top blast all the way back down, little wiggle, and then sort of and an infield section, section at the yeah. bottom. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very much like that. I mean, two- ten, nine or ten corners, I think. It's the fewest corners on of any circuit this entire season. Yeah, it, they're, they're, they're coming up with, they're trying to come up with 14 corners, but you're right, there's like numbers, like one, two, three, four, and like, you know, this one sweeping corner. It's like so. turning the wheel one degree to the right. It's like, yeah. oh, there's a corner. Like. <laughs> halfway halfway up the Las Vegas Strip, they're calling I mean, court turn 10. There are, I mean, just as an F1 handicapper, no one will offer these, but mm. there are some creative props you could offer. Uh, will anyone record a lap time under a minute? I think is a realistic possibility. I mean, throw a long shot on it. I mean, it's gonna be the fastest lap of any sort, unless it rains, because for some reason it's rained the entire last week here in Vegas. <laughs> Don't ask me why, but unless it rains, it will it will beat Monaco as the quickest lap of. If you just line up all the fastest laps, it'll be number one. But then I think back to Sakir in 2020, um, where they had the second race in Bahrain. That was a fast one. On the fast outer circuit. And I actually thought that that was a great race. That was the one, of course, where George Russell was in the Mercedes. And, Mm. you know, he could have won it. Mixed tire set, yeah. Mixed tire set and and man that was a, that was a crazy race. Yeah, check I actually last first. and that was actually a really great race. I thought it was I thought it was fantastic. And then watch the F two race um, that Ralph Schumacher. I think he won that one to and claim the uh, the F two championship. But that was actually a really interesting circuit. And I'm, maybe I'm just being hopeful, but. It could throw up By some all means, good racing. Prove me wrong. I I'll be perfectly content if I'm proving wrong and it's actually a decent race. But everyone I talk to who is so quick to romanticize and be like, "Oh, it's gonna be perfect," either know <laughs> nothing about F1 or they have a lot of money to spend. There are yeah. no other two outcomes. But just like in Miami, obviously, when it was like maybe just two or three races into the season when you came on last time, we hadn't had Miami yet. And so I think we were talking about Miami and what Miami was going to be. They built a real track though. But was it? Yes. The racing wasn't that great. This and it was that not a real track. And I'm going to tell you, here's the other thing. Stuff going on. I don't count on it happening too, because as someone who has driven Las Vegas Boulevard so many times, I do not have any confidence that they can repair that road in time mm. for next November. Dude. It's mm. awful. It is. There are holes everywhere. I mean, just like bumps in the road. I'm going to be betting on like a lot of retirements that race too, just because I think like I'm going to go like, and I mean, it's going to take them forever to set it up too. I, I will not be looking forward to it. If I am still a Las Vegas resident by the end of next year, okay. Here's here's an over. Okay, here's a bet for you. 
What are the odds they don't even have a race? Lower than people would think. I mean, they have to have it. I mean, they wouldn't announce it if they didn't think they could do it. I'll say... Well, they announced the New York race. 25 to 1. They announced the New York race back in, what, 2000 and... I mean, I, but we know, we, we lived. I lived on that old circuit where that circuit was supposed to go. And was like, I mean, the only thing no I'll say, the only thing I'll say to that in terms of it going in its favor is that it's Las Vegas people behind it. They know how bad Las Vegas Boulevard is. They know they've assembled a terrible well, isn't track. It, isn't it Liberty Media? Isn't it Liberty Media themselves want, that are I running it? To say something else, but I'll be. I'll keep it PG. It, it's no it's gonna be i'll be surprised i thought it was they'll, liberty. Th- they'll just throw money at it and make it happen yeah. right you but know. it's liberty media themselves that's running the race for the first time it isn't a separate company or anything like that it is liberty media they set up our own subsidiary and everything to do it like they want to make it happen they're gonna try as hard as they can. I mean, it's basically it more than happen, a year away i don't know if it's next year it's supposed to be sort of november-ish next yeah. year Thanksgiving, I think. So, fri- it's going to be a Friday it's going to be the Friday after Thanksgiving is going to be right. qualifying mm-hmm. and then Saturday is going to be right. the race under the so line. they've got a year they've got a year plus to I'll tell you who won't it like it anybody in Europe <laughs> yeah. no they'll right. it's, it's going to be, be 3am it's going to be like watching in Japan I mean it'll make up for all the times I have to wake up at 6 for Hungara yeah. Ring or like Red Bull or whatever but <laughs> Yeah, one in Europe that's not, not going to be that's not that, that. That's not that new with yeah, like Suzuka and Mel, you know, Melbourne yeah. and stuff like that. It happens every. So and often, you're lucky so. because the races all used to be at at five a.m. Pacific. Back when Bernie ran things, it was always yeah, one, it was always one p.m. UK, two p.m. Europe, which is eight a.m. Yeah. East Coast and five a.m. Sorry, yeah, eight a.m. East Coast and five a.m. West. So you get an extra hour in bed these days. Thanks for listening to The Undercut with Jason, Martin, and Nick. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen, and we'll see you next time for the Belgian Grand Prix.